crashes in, you know it is time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Remember, it's not how far, it's not how fast, it's how frequent. Get out there, be consistent. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Movement and Blue Apron. They are bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who knows who at least two of the performers at the Grammys are, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Um, mm, Kendrick Lamar and uh, is Jay-Z performing? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. You nailed it. Oh, wait. Ken- it. Kendrick Lamar and cribbing from our earlier discussion, Tony Bennett? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's a big Tony Bennett evening. Uh, anyway, we are uh, recording uh, the show live Sunday evening opposite the Grammys, which is why I brought that up. Uh, Christian, how are you? I'm great, dude. Uh, I got back. I had a killer. I ran a killer 5K today just for fun. But, you know. Nice, bro. How are you? Like an organized 5K or just out there on your own? Out there on my own. I, I'm too proud to get in an organized 5K now with my former past actual good running in my history. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, man, I'm excited this week. We actually had some some the first big games of 2018 are, are coming out, are out, and some are right on the horizon we can talk about. We're going to talk about Monster Hunter World, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, lots of good stuff. And we have an awesome guest. This is a, a guy I'm excited very much to have on the show. I've been wanting to have on for a while. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Deep Love of Cinema. Because from Movies with Mikey, the fabulous show that celebrates the art of film and formerly of Gearbox, a writer on Borderlands, one of the people I watch the absolute most on these here internets, Mr. Mikey Newman. Hey, Mikey. Hello. I I didn't know we were supposed to bring our own nemesis. I, yeah, so I, no, I uh, that that, it's optional. It's nemesis optional, but um, um, it, it adds to the to the tension. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, Mikey. Yeah, you jerk. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Wait, see, no. Christian can be a nemesis to anybody. Yeah, never. You're a jerk first. And see, no. now, now we both did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so glad you're here, Mike. I was, um, um. Very happy to see that uh, Movies with Mikey is expanding and going. You're you're doing new stuff for 2018. Do you want to just mention that quickly here at the top about the show is not just going to be about one movie from from now on, right? Uh, yeah, actually, just real quick because I'm seeing the gifts on Twitter in my side view. Christian, you should have gone with Patty Lapone um, oh. for your second. But to answer your question, uh, because we're nemeses now, I have to do that. <laughs> uh, you always go with Patty Lapone. That's just the answer. Yeah, that's the uh, no, Lapone rule. So for like three and a half or four years or however my, long my show has existed, I would take a film and then I would tell you everything that's amazing about it and try to apply it to your life in an interesting way, like learning through art 
um, like how to live a better life. Like if we, when you watch princess Mononoke or something, uh, the, the central message of that movie is there are no bad guys. It's like communicate and live. Or as I say in the episode, fight less, talk more, say sorry sometimes. And that's like a real world lesson you can learn. And, and going into this year, I mean, I've done like 50 some movies, uh, over time and and it, and it, it gets a little stale, I guess would be a way to, from my perspective, it's, it's hard. You got to dig a little deeper every time. So I, I, I really wanted to kind of take a different approach to what the show was and, and softly reboot it. Um, in some ways, like I'm doing an episode that's fully about, um, Thor Ragnarok, but I'm going to spend the entire runtime telling you why Thor Ragnarok is the greatest movie reboot of all time. Um, <laughs> cause it, cause it rebooted midstream. Like it was right. crazy inside a shared universe. They took that entire franchise and made it great. Like, I don't know. There's not a lot of people that are like, my favorite Marvel movie is Thor, the dark world. Uh, <laughs> right. Whereas right. I think there's a lot of people that would, that would say that about Thor Ragnarok. Um, and I will explain why. Very cool. Um, I highly encourage if there's any chance that anybody listening does not already watch and listen to uh, movies with Mikey, you have to. It is absolute. It's just required now. So uh, we're not going to talk more movies on the show. Um, Mikey, obviously, also uh, a video game writer, video game player. So we'll talk about video games, but you definitely have to watch his show. It's awesome. Moviesofmikey.com. Okay. Bye. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for doing right, the show let's... we really appreciate it have a good night <laughs> thanks guys that uh, was DLC I'm Jeff Canada. I'll see you later wait a minute <laughs> nemesis uh, alright let's start the show wild nemesis <laughs> <laughs> let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Some interesting stories this week. And Mikey, you are our guest, so you do get first pick of stories. Uh, What would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Um, Dead Cells coming to consoles, my man. Yeah, Dead Cells is coming to consoles, including the Switch. Um, I know that you love Dead Cells. I've loved Dead Cells. Dead Cells is awesome. Dead Cells is a roguelike platformer that was in early access in 2017. It made my uh, five dark horse picks at the end of the year that we do uh, on this show. And uh, just got announced, Motion Twin, the developer, is bringing it out in a full 1.0 release this year. And they have confirmed that it will be coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. We don't know exactly when. They said later this year. But, um, Mikey, tell me why you're excited about this. I So, ever since Rogue Legacy came out, a game I have played 94 million times. Yeah. Um, I, it's, Wait, is that just one run? Or how far did you get in those 94 million? <laughs> um, well, it took about 69 weeks. Nice. <laughs> nice. You can't nice yourself. So, yeah, you, you can in my world. I'm your nemesis. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I've been wanting a sequel to Rogue Legacy for so long because that just scratched every itch I had um, for that kind of side-scroller game. 
And then I, I had, I had kind of put out some feelers every, every once in a while on Twitter, like, Hey, I want a sequel to this really bad. And, and then people started telling me about dead cells and I picked that up and I'm like, Oh, it's rogue legacy by way of symphony of the night. Right. Game of the all time. Um, so, and, and in my house, I have like a dedicated PC room set up, but, uh, um, I don't know. I, I, ever since last year when I was in the hospital for a while, it's not that comfortable to sit in chairs for that long. And the problem is dead cells. You don't really want to stop like <laughs> for all of time. Um, but on switch, that's fine. I can now play it when I drive. Whoops. No, wait, that's not what you're supposed that's to That's not what you want. No, don't play it when you're dry there. I got it. Nailed it. Yeah, um, I love uh, I, I, everything you said. Um, same for me, Rogue Legacy to Dead Cells is like a natural transition. I think Dead Cells is an even more beautiful game than uh, Rogue Legacy. I, I, I think the, the art style of Dead Cells is really attractive and cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a perfect marriage for the Switch to be able to play it handheld. It's just like, yeah, the, can't wait. The only caveat to that, and I will say this just having played a bunch of celeste which i will talk about in more detail later in the show on switch um it's it's still it's way better than the vita but it's still a handheld it's still a portable analog stick like it's not a true analog stick and the d-pad on the switch as you both might recall doesn't exist uh i mean it's it's atrocious so i found myself for celeste busting out the pro controller which hinders the portability a little bit and i'm not i'm not sure how precise you need to be in dead cells having not taken the plunge yet waiting for that 1.0 release but that's the only caveat for the switch same with sonic mania i i made that on the switch and there were definitely parts that i wasn't able to do i think i mean mostly because of skill but then i blamed it on the joy cons yeah it's nice to be able to have a scapegoat right there built into the system that's why i'm on the show for you jeff yeah scapegoat (laughs) slash nemesis yeah it's good um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm super, super excited. I wish they had announced an official date, but, uh, it sounds like motion twin themselves is, are doing the, uh, the port here. So, um, it's not being farmed out to any other studio. They're, they're doing it themselves. So it sounds pretty exciting. They're also, uh, releasing the game on Mac and Linux. So that's exciting for people like that. Um, anyway, dead cells, very, very good. I concur with Mikey, uh, Christian, you have a story of the week, man, all, all of them. All, all of the rest of the stories that you have here on this thing, we need to talk about um, all of them. The one I will bring up and highlight is Xbox Game Pass. Um, Microsoft is, is going at it. They have not stopped. They had a bad launch coming out of the gate with the Xbox One X. And now they have, in my opinion, um, had their pedal to the metal. They haven't, they sold off a bunch of game studios last gen and they're trying to recover from that and some things. But now with the Xbox Game Pass, they are going to launch day and date. All of their first party studio games will come out on the Xbox Game Pass the same day they hit retail. The first being Sea of Thieves. And they then they mentioned Crackdown 3. And then I believe it was Mr. Greenberg. Aaron Greenberg, I believe, uh, was the one who read comments i was reading um saying that that includes future forzas halos gears of war and who knows when those games state of state of decay 2 yeah Yeah. everything exclusive everything that's first party 
everything is going to be a Game Pass game. This is day day. huge. I mean, this, and the way Game Pass works, if you don't remember, because maybe you weren't interested when it debuted, you it's a subscription service currently $9.99 per month. I believe if you have not signed up, you can get a 14-day free trial. And you download the games onto your console. So it does not stream them. You download them. So there's no latency problems. I guess if you have a data cap, you might run into that issue if you're playing with a whole bunch of different games each month. But you download the games to your console and then play them as you would any other game. And then when you're done, you can delete it, move on or whatever. And this is, I think, the step, Jeff, toward my future, right? Of, of it's, it's a version of the Netflix of games, where I feel like it's easy to say, oh, well, Xbox doesn't have a lot of first-party console exclusives anyway, so you're paying $9.99 a month for, what, three games a year. There's also other games on the system, but also that is similar to how Netflix and Hulu and a lot of these other services launched with a few original shows and then a bunch of other stuff to fill your space and time, and then you start paying $9.99 a month, and before you know it, you've paid for three months without having watched anything on HBO. <laughs> yeah, Sea of Thieves is uh, the house of cards for yeah. Microsoft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're going to they're gonna seed you and get you in. Mike, is this a thing that are, – are you a subscriber now or do you think this will make you one? Are you interested? Uh, so reading about it – sorry, my uh, headphones are screwed up. Um, so I'm really curious what this does developer side. Like, what does this mean if you're a first party developer? Because you're not pulling in money the same way as a $60 title. So does that mean they're going to be shuttering more? Like, I want to know how how good the math is for developers. It's never good, right? I feel like (laughs) on Netflix, they found they found a good equilibrium, you know, Spotify. Well, I think we are. On Netflix, I think on Netflix, it depends on who you ask. Like technically, a lot of those jobs aren't union. You're not getting residuals on it. Um, It's a very different payment model. And for stand-up comedian specials, um, you're you're definitely – you never get paid that well for those. But that model has shifted, and it shifted in a big way. And it's, I feel like, rarely good for – the lower level artist, like the Kevin Spacey, a bad example, but House of Cards, you know, they might get a lot of money, but the person running sound or the grip on the production, it's very different, right? Than what it needs to be for a, a union project. Yeah. I, the, the, the Kevin Spacey example is like extra problematic in like a thousand ways. But, <laughs> well, I mean, when, when that news hit, you had the entire internet calling for the cancellation of house of cards. Then everybody went, excuse me, there's 1200 other people that work on this show. What if we just fire Kevin Spacey, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. And they did, that was what they did. So yeah. I, I, as we, as we walk into a world where there is complications in every way, I see this new thing and, it's 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 very much its own thing. If they're not signing third party developers and stuff to it, um, that's that's scary because how how many? Because like Sony's going to launch one, you know, like Nintendo probably will. Like I I I I imagine we all don't want to live in a world where we have to subscribe to fifteen different things every month. Well, that's where we are with TV, right? And where do you draw the line? I mean, is it Hulu, Netflix, HBO, uh, someone in the chat said the WWE network, like what's the, eventually, yeah, we, what we want again is cable. So we're just like, just give us all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Um, like do we, do we loop back around, you know, in a, in a weird way? Well, I, I mean, I think uh, you guys raise very, very good points and, and the developer side is one 
that I didn't even really consider when I saw this news. And it's one that we should consider because it will have a big impact in the kinds of games that get made and all that stuff. And, you know, you bring up Spotify. Spotify is a pretty terrible revenue stream for creators. Uh, it does well for Spotify, but uh, you know, creators get, you know, 10 cents a play or whatever, uh, you know, like half a cent, whatever. I don't know the details, but I know it's it's crummy. And it's better than YouTube. <laughs> it sounds sounds like someone knows the details there. Um, the, uh, but I will say from a consumer perspective, if you're talking about I get six months of a game you know, for the same price as buying it up front. And I also have about a hundred other games at my disposal because this game pass has about a hundred games. And there are a few other details uh, that you didn't mention, Christian, which I think are interesting in that the hundred games that, uh, that make up the games pass now rotate in and rotate out. So they're not constant, but they said that these, uh, these original exclusive Xbox titles won't rotate out, hmm. which is interesting. So if that's the way you want to play Sea of Thieves, you can rest assured you will always be able to play Sea of Thieves that way, which is pretty interesting. And also, it works if it's a cross-play game for Windows PC. So if Sea of Thieves works on both and is a cross-play, you know what they call it, uh, play any- Windows Play Anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, if it's a Play Anywhere title... gets you the ability to play it on PC as well as Xbox. Pretty good value proposition from the end user's perspective. But I think you make a great point, Mikey, about developers. And I kept saying on Newest Latest Best that I I was hoping that they'd be able to sign more third-party developers to this as well. But it seems like that might be problematic and difficult to uh, wrangle if you're talking – pennies instead of instead of dollars on uh, and and like you said how do you even decide i guess you could you could track it to downloads but uh it might be difficult to to carve out the percentage of that 9.99 a month that goes to who you know who does it go to part part of it is like if you if you do the math and you said everybody that plays sea of thieves is going to do it this way like nobody's going to buy a box copy let's just hypothetically say that that doesn't cover the budget of the game yeah so that's a problem. Like, like we, we do want to move to games as a service, I think, but um, we, we got to answer some really tough questions. Fascinating. I mean, I think the key point for me from, from a usability perspective is the thing that Christian pointed out, which is that it is not a streaming service. I think that to me makes it much more interesting and useful and that I'm literally downloading the game to my system. It's the full game. Um, so I think that's one of the things that, is also another positive in my book on it, but yeah, really interesting questions uh, that I did not consider. So I, I appreciate you bringing them up. Mm-hmm. Um, my story of the week, uh, I guess I'll lump in uh, releases, release dates and delay dates. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we got some big ones, some real, real uh, heavy hitters um, in probably the most unsurprising news of the year. Uh, Anthem has been delayed to 2019 I can't exactly remember, Christian, from our predictions episode, whether you predicted that it would or wouldn't, but I definitely predicted it wouldn't um, come out this year. Anthem, of course, the big mic drop EA game that was announced at E3 last year. It was the the final game shown at Microsoft's press conference, and it made my jaw drop. It looked really awesome, but uh, it ended with a title card that said coming 2018, which is... I I think even at the time seemed wildly unrealistic. Uh, And in fact, that is the quote. This is a Kotaku article uh, that says that 
some of the developers working on it said that that was never realistic. Uh, they were, that was a never real, a realistic date. So it begs the question as to why they would even put that on. It seems like a not information you don't even need to add, just show the game. It looks amazing and say it's coming. You know, it's like, we don't have to put up a date that is never going to work, but they did. Uh, so <laughs> Anthem delayed to 2019, but we did get finally a release date for God of War, which is coming April 20th. So I will tee it up to you, Mikey. Uh, either of these games excite you, and uh, what do you make of the delay of Anthem? Well, so there's a few sort of odd... Because again, like I spent 16 years on the other side of this, so you know, there's there's some inside baseball stuff there. But it, but the part that says Kotaku speculates that Bioware cannot delay the game beyond March 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you factor in um, certification, alpha, beta, all that stuff, I mean that's like that's like six to eight months basically. Uh, that's not much of a delay delaying to 2019 and only getting to March like that, that the game has to pretty much be done, you know, four months from now. Hmm, and if wow. you judge by the demo, like, well, content complete, sorry. I'm, yeah. but it, it's tough because watching that demo, it's very much as, as sort of like created um, demo experience where everything's sort of animated down this, you know, critical fixed path. Right. Um, it's t- it's tough to say how much is real gameplay versus you know kind of demo fireworks and sunshine. Um, right. So I don't know. Like this this article says things that are to me uh, um, combative with itself. Like it, it sort of contradicts itself. Like like it's going to delay till 2019. Burn everything down, but only March. It's like, <laughs> right. I that's not really a delay. Um, because tw- like my guess for 2018 when it was coming out was holiday season, a game that big, yeah, it has to be. So you're talking about a delay of three months, maybe, right? Um, that's not a lot. So either that game is in amazing shape and everything's fine, or everything is on fire and we're about to find out a lot more about how on fire it is. Well, Kotaku seems to think that it's more the uh, the on fire. We're scared because Mass Effect Andromeda didn't do well, and this is we're putting all our chips on this one. Um, but you know that makes up for a fun story. Who knows how true or not that is? And the reason that they say March uh, is uh, because that's when EA's 2019 fiscal year ends. Um, which, you know, is, is important for stock prices and, you know, all the shareholders and all that stuff. So who knows if that's a hard and fast thing or if that's something they're just inferring from the data and, and trying to make a case for it being March 2019. I'll be surprised if it's if it comes out that early in 2019, but maybe. Um, yeah, to, to me, what makes sense is a delay from holiday 2018 to holiday 2019. And, uh, if, if, if there is a delay, but speculation that the delay is only till March, that feels like wild speculation. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, I, 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 I don't know how many people like, I don't, I don't know who wrote this article, for example. Uh, I guess I could click through. Um, but like how much, how much do they know? Oh, it's Jason Schreier. Uh, I, 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 I guess I don't know how much uh, knowledge they have about the inner workings of a publisher. Yeah. Cause those, well, I, I don't, 
And I had a lot of experience with one. <laughs> right. Well, so let's let's apply that to God of War, right? We're seeing God of War April 20th. So clearly Sony would have liked to have God of War come out, you know, end of November, right? Or March, this fiscal, you'd think. Yeah. Mar- so, March is a good month for games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we're seeing uh we're seeing a bunch of uh March releases. Um you know, so you you would think that this God of War April 20th date indicates that the game was they were, you know, push and push and push on on it and it we it was in certification over the holiday. Is that is that the idea? Uh well, I pro- if they're pushing for April, they're probably you don't you don't generally want to cert over the holiday into the next year because of the break because you have a break with the publishers you have a break with your your marketing teams all over the world um it, it could be two weeks it could be three weeks depending on where your publisher is like we worked with publishers in france and that carries a whole different thing um yeah i don't know i i i would say that god of war has a much and i and i'm trying to walk on eggshells here it's a much easier and I'm, I'm putting up sarcastic quote fingers, uh, but I do mean it is easier to sort of quickly polish aspects of that game compared to something like Anthem, which right. has an infinite number of edge cases because it's not quite as crafted as, of an experience. I mean, God of War is kind of this linear, great Hollywood thing. It's great. I love it. But yeah. Anthem looks to be like, it's everything all the time. Yeah, yeah. Which takes longer to cert. Yeah, you make a great point. And, and this was in, in the uh, Kotaku article. There's an interesting passage. Uh, I'll, I'll read it directly. Uh, quote, uh, most recently, sources say Anthem's developers have been watching the ongoing anger in the Destiny 2 community over the state of that game. Destiny fans have grown irritated at Destiny 2's lack of content, Bungie's poor communication, and the lingering feeling that Destiny 2 is repeating its predecessor's mistakes. Although fans and pundits have suggested that Destiny 2's inability to capture hardcore players may leave an opening for Anthem to grab that crowd. Um... That's yeah, a I, lot of extrapolating. That's a lot of extrapolating. That's and a lot like, of extrapolating. Yeah. Christian, what's your take on all this? Talking to at the studio, was it a level designer who was talking smack, we'll say, or was it, you know, because executives don't generally do that. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't an executive. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. But that yeah. tells you how valuable the information is. And it's like, right. if I was looking at Destiny 2 to, to know something, you know, it's you, you sort of put that on other people. Everyone's talking about destiny too. I'm like, well, I, 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 I struggle with aspects of this article. Fair enough. I think that's a great perspective and it's one that we don't necessarily have. And I, I, I'm glad to see it that way because it's easy to sort of run away with these things. It's like, Oh, well, it's going to be like destiny too. And Oh, that's a game that has problems. So, Oh, they must be petrified. Um, when, you know, People seem that's one of the things that uh, I have learned in covering video games as long as I have is that the perception of of how video games are made and the reality of how video games are made are wildly divergent. (laughs) There's there's some. Yeah, absolutely. There's some key phrases in there like Destiny fans have grown irritated. Destiny 2's lack of content. What is your source? What does that mean? Like. Um, because when you say fans, does that mean people on a destiny2.org, you know, like fan site? 
Right. Because that doesn't the people complaining about stuff, and I'm not trying to be rude by saying the word complaining, but like people posting stuff on the internet, that is this tiny sliver of your audience. And I can't imagine there's anyone um at Bioware or EA that's like, no, we'll take a Destiny 2. It's like a billion dollars. Like, right. yeah, yeah, I'll take a billion dollars. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll take some angry, uh, angry posts on some forums and a billion dollars. Absolutely. Every time. Every yeah. time. Yeah. The answer to that is every time. So <laughs> I, again, I, I, I struggle because it feels like there's some feelings and emotion that aren't necessarily uh, representative of the publisher and, and what they're trying to do. Fair enough. Uh, Christian, you want to weigh Sorry, in? Jason. I'm very excited about God of War. I think it's kind of what we were expecting a little later. I think we were, uh, you and I were anticipating maybe that March um, Horizon Zero Dawn launch window, but that game looks incredible. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm glad that it's coming sooner than later because April will be here before we know. It is competing with uh, Labo, which I think is interesting. I I, I think it's different demos for sure, but um, as someone who... Yeah, same day already pre-ordered labo for him and his daughter we won't be opening it until may for my youngest birthday but uh, that gives me what uh, two weeks to play god of war (laughs) well i have even uh, a more dire two weeks christian because my second kid is due april 30th so i gotta i gotta i gotta get that time in where i can (laughs) (laughs) oh come on babe babe babe, just hold it hold it in you're doing great hold it in we got 10 days just get used to switch games you can just take those everywhere that's right that's right like push you're just like playing zelda what (laughs) you guys are in labor and delivery and you hear like screaming coming out of a room the doctor runs in and it's just you squealing with with glee (laughs) as you play god of war (laughs) (laughs) um i think the anthem news and I, i agree with mikey that you know Jason, in my opinion, does a lot of excellent reporting uh, on video games. The article, it's, you know, whether he's protecting sources or while a lot of things are factually true, Destiny fans are upset about stuff. But is that a complete picture? I don't know. You can, I think it's great to dissect the article and and pull out truths away from clickbait headlines because I think it did. Jason's article certainly made a lot of other sites um, headlines they, as they pulled pulled quotes out of there. Like I don't know if you guys know this, but in Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Ray was uh, going to be a robot. And, oh, uh, Christian, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Nemesis. <laughs> but I, I feel like um, with the my relationship as a consumer with EA in 2017 was a frustrated one. And my relationship with Bioware, as my voice cracks, as I look back at my youth, um, has also been a you got, you got choked up I about got, it. I did. Has also been a frustrated one with expectations and what that I thought the games were going to be. So I'm I'm nervous. I'm 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 nervous for Anthem. I thought it looked beautiful, but the missteps that both Destiny One and Two had combined with trying to create this huge type of game. And then the missteps that I think Bioware has had going forward, um, and then the addition of using Frostbite in this style of game, um, I'm hopeful that Anthem is great. But if I had to bet, if a gun were pointed to my head, I would bet that Anthem launches with a whole host of problems right now. That's my gut. That's my Malcolm Gladwell gut instinct. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope you're wrong. Yes, but I, you know, 100%. I think if past is precedent, then certainly you have a, a, a case to be made. Um, but interesting. 
Uh, all right, guys, let's, uh, there's a lot of big games that are coming out, a lot of big games that we've been playing. So let's get to talking about them. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor. And Christian, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I've sort of become a watch guy. I know. Uh, I know this. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen me. Uh, I'm, I've been presenting my watches every time that we've seen each other. Uh, I've become a watch guy. My dad, all growing up, and still, I mean, he's he's a massive watch guy. He loves watches, constantly talks about watches, owns like dozens of watches. He's just a watch guy. I never was a watch guy. I've become a watch guy. I've started – one of the big lessons I've learned as I've matured into adulthood is that uh, details matter. And uh, so much of my life being a nerd growing up was that I didn't care about details. It was all utilitarian. Who cares? Now I understand, you know, nice socks, nice uh, little things that match, nice watch. And I'm here to tell you about my newest watch. Uh, I'm very excited about Christian knows this because I've worn it to the work that we're doing together uh, several times uh, is from movement and movement watches are really nice high quality watches but done in a way that are actually affordable so they founded this company based on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank which i agree with i love watches but i don't like spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on them and uh, movement watches are beautiful they're stylish they look great and they're not crazy they're not like well i guess i don't get to buy a car this year i'm buying a watch instead uh they've sold over a million watches to a customers in 160 countries this is a company movement watches has solidified itself it's the world's fastest growing watch company and if you're looking for like a valentine's day gift maybe for your significant other they sell both men and women's watches and they're really nice this sounds like a weird thing to say but my movement watch is the most comfortable watch I own. And I don't – you don't really hear people talk about comfort when it comes to watches. But I have several watches now and I enjoy a lot of them. And some of them I only wear very, very rarely because they're not that comfortable. They're bulky. They kind of sit weirdly on my wrist. They're heavy or, or not weighted, not balanced right. My movement watch is the most comfortable watch I own. I didn't even have to alter it when I got it. It fit perfectly on my wrist. I mean, your mileage may vary there, but it, I'm so impressed with just how good it feels on my wrist. And they have so many cool styles. They have uh, stylists that curate um, their their styles, and they've actually created a gift guide to make Valentine's Day shopping painless. If you want to try it for a Valentine's Day gift, you can find the perfect gift for him or her. And let us help you out. Let us give you 15% off with free shipping and free returns. All you got to do is go to movement.com slash DLC. Now that's that's spelled kind of tricky. It's M-V-M-T, M-V-M-T. Uh, we pronounce it movement, but it's M-V-M-T.com slash DLC. And it gets you 15% off. Check these watches out. I think you're going to find some beautiful styles. The one I got is like all black. It looks really slick. Christian, you saw it, right? Yeah. And to uh, to be completely honest, you wore it the same day that someone else in our office that also loves watches immediately recognized it and then had theirs on that they had just bought on their own and had had for however long now and loved. And you guys were ha- being little watch bros over there. We had watch bros. Yeah. We did a little watch bro handshake, a little watch bro, a little hug. You guys really, honestly, you guys went on for a while about comparing your watches. <laughs> yeah. I'm a watch guy now. I'm a watch guy. You and Dr. Strange. <laughs> MVMT.com slash DLC. Ooh, this week? 
All right, let's dig in. There's a bunch of games to get to. Uh, Mikey, what is on your playlist? I Yeah, I, I look at it and it's like all old. You guys are like, we're playing Monster Hunter World and all this cool new stuff. And I'm like, I'm playing... I'm playing Mario plus Rabbids for the second time through because I just loved the heck out of it. It's so good, man. It's There's nothing to be. It's too. I I love any game where you can you can design strategies and sort of break it. Like when you when you realize like do this plus this when you learn how to jump on people and you're doing like five combat damages. I don't know. I I love it because now I just feel like a god the entire time through the game because I'm so good at it. Um, unlike XCOM where I just am murdered all the time. Although Mario plus Rabbids gets really hard in the last world. I, I, one of the things I like most about it is that it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that it's not challenging. It is challenging, but you're right. It's not XCOM. Like it makes me feel bad because I just lost some people that I really invested in and I've named them after my loved ones. So now <laughs> it sort of feels like my family is dead. Um, Mario plus Rabbids, it, it feels challenging. It feels uh, it, the strategies are actually good and interesting and you have to employ, you know, some brain power to figure it out, but it also feels super accessible and positive. It doesn't feel like this, like, Oh, I just murdered my family by making, <laughs> them, wa- making them check a bush without <laughs> any backup. I wonder if there's a hacked version out there that runs it like XCOM <laughs> where <laughs> like Mario is just dead. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Peach Make is just crying all the time. Oh god. Uh I'm also playing uh Dead Cells, uh working my way through that. It's just a beautiful, beautiful game. And it was kind of ironic that we had a thing about Dead Cells earlier. Yeah. And uh uh a whole lot of Rocket League. Uh, yeah. Which yeah, I mean we're we're years into this game now, but uh my so my nephew has has reached the age where I'm sorry, Aiden. Uh, where he is useful because he's 15 <laughs> and, and he's 15 like before he was useful <laughs> well no in rocket league like when he was like 13 you know you're not you're not as strategic i mean i mean useful in the joking way right? <laughs> like now we can we can compete at the higher ranked levels and right uh, he's doing crazy crap where he flies through the air rotates four times and like I don't know. Like yeah, I would our, assume at fifteen, he's just running circles around you. No, no. I, I've, I have been playing Rocket League. Um, gosh, hours a day for years. Since uh, he was uh, not useful, right? That explains <laughs> that one like weird cut in all your video. I'm like, what? What? And he like a wah. And it's like I pick up a little Rocket League sound. You just jump away real quick. It, yeah, it I'm just recording sense. the time. I'm like, welcome to movies, Mikey. what a save um yeah i i it's it's such a great thing because because we we are now like i i never saw myself as an esports person and part of rocket league is the esport aspect of that at the super high level there was the tournament just ended today uh the finals was between g2 and uh this french team called psg and they basically are just doing witchcraft all the time, <laughs> like fly, doing amazing, amazing things. And like sixteen years old, um, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a trip to me, and I, I enjoy all those aspects. Like I am an esports boy now. I love watching esports. I am obsessed with it. I follow them all on Twitter, 
and I'm just a geek about it. And it makes me happy. It's a joyful, joyful thing. And the game isn't like a negative thing. The the coolest thing about and 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 correct me because I I don't know if this is every esport or not, but every time they finish a match, like like with a winner and a loser, they all stand up and give each other hugs, and then they just <laughs> laugh and leave. And I'm like, it's <laughs> like, so oh, we just played video games. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not it's not like like CS:GO where people are teabagging each other and <laughs> calling each other names that I absolutely cannot say in this podcast. Right. Uh, just right, Rocket League is this immensely great thing, and I adore it, and I love it. Psionics are amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. I, I love the the positivity, and I guess if it's if you're basically using your car like a giant foot, you know, it's not exactly the same thing as you know trying to shoot someone 48 times in the face. It's uh, it's a, it, it's just inherently more positive just on the face of it. Yeah, and it, it it creates a different feeling. I think when you're going into matches where the all you're doing is is I don't I don't mean this word as strongly as it sounds, but desensitizing yourself to murder. Um, that you know that that has an effect eventually, and I but I think the effect it has is in how we communicate and how because I don't, I don't think any of those guys are going to murder anybody, but. It 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 does change the rivalry. Like all the Rocket League guys appear to be friends, and they're just happy, and it's super positive and great. That's that's really cool to hear. I love it, uh, Christian. Is there any chance you'll go back to Rocket League at any point? Because you were like super into it for a while. I keep meaning to, and I've almost bought it on Switch a lot of times, even though I know it's an inferior version to the PS4, and, and you know, in terms of graphical and frame rate stuff like that. Uh, PS4 and PC versions i have i haven't yet there's always a chance i'll go back i do i jump in and watch some competitive play from time to time and just go oh yeah that game has passed me by like (laughs) when i was playing it was like oh sweet i did an airborne pass and now i I feel like i watch matches where the cars are never on the ground like the whole every time they kicked at the ball the ball never touches the ground it's all in the air it's incredible i saw a, a goal today by by my my dude uh Chaussette, which is French for sock. Uh, <laughs> they were talking awesome. about that on the thing today. But Sachet is Sachette is this this French guy that plays. He was driving on the ceiling, like he flew up to the ceiling, passed himself the ball on the ceiling, <laughs> and then flew straight down and then shot the ball off the ground. I mean, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in a game. <laughs> That's so rad. I love yeah. it. It's real it. good. It's- we're we're too old though. We're never gonna be there. No, I'm aware say, of that. I feel like your was it your nephew? I mean, he's entering the four months of his prime esport playing, right? Like, yeah, he's he's coming up on it. Uh, uh, I got him a tombstone uh, that says <laughs> your professional gaming career to hang up in his room when he turns sixteen. No, <laughs> he's got a lot of years. Uh, I don't know if he's ever he he'd have to play about ninety four more hours a day. I think to to get to that level, but yeah. Cool. Uh, Christian, what about you? What's on your playlist? Uh, I'll start with Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, yeah, which... the official uh, pronunciation we heard passed down from Namco Bandai. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, even though it's called Dragon Ball Z. So what? But anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, naming doesn't, it's all weird. When 
Xbox One X comes out the same time as the iPhone 10, and they both use an X. I know it's a Roman numeral, and then yeah, Dragon Ball Z, but and the Z's capitalized in Dragon Ball Fighters. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, and we just need to allow. It's Dragon Ball. It's not going to make sense, right? Like that's. I just, guess not. We just have to. Must train. How to say it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have like the first 90 minutes um, of the story mode, which is up to this point about all I've played, uh, archived on my Twitch. So you can watch that there and it'll be on my YouTube, which is just Christian Spicer 713 some point tomorrow or something like that. If you want to scrub through it, uh, a few a few caveats up top. I am not the biggest Dragon Ball fan. My little brother loved it in the late 90s, early aughts, and I would watch it in passing, you know, as he had it on. So I have some awareness, but I'm not a huge fan of the franchise, but certainly familiar with the IP some. And I've never been a huge Arc Systems. Um, I've, I've enjoyed their games, but I've never mained any of them as my fighting, you know, game of choice. And as I've this gen has gone on, my fighting games have veered more towards Injustice 2 and away from competitive fighting. All of that being said, holy crap, you guys, this game is incredible. Really? It blows my mind every minute of every second. That's the same. It's just a smaller version of the same thing I'm talking about. First of all, I almost cried just in the sense that the same way I actually did cry watching Avengers in theaters when I sat there and thought, this is, this is a superhero movie that kids just get this. <laughs> this is what they get. And I remember all of the years of my little brother buying every dragon ball game that came out and 98% of them just being utter garbage. And now this, this is the game that kids of super just, just get, this is it. This is the one it's so beautiful the sound effects the the lighting of all the special effects just the animation between things even during like the cutscenes in the story the way the hair will kind of like loop animate the same way it does in the cartoon i think uh part of it is helped by like the special moves and the supers or or whatever they're called in in dragon ball sorry if i'm using street fighter terminology and for an arc game but um those things they almost feel less repetitive than in something like marvel versus capcom because in marvel versus capcom it's this big flashy thing that they invent for the game in dragon ball all of these moves that you're seeing time and time again you've seen in the show time and time again and oftentimes animated very similarly time and time again so it's like you're literally watching the cartoon except you have pretty dang precise control over what's happening in these fights and just i mean seriously it just blows me away one of my favorite things about the game and we saw this at e3 um this past year as well is that in a lot of fighting games your super meter you know it charges up as you block or take damage or, or deal out damage or whatever and that's all happening in dragon ball but you can also hold down on xbox i believe it's a and x and you and you power up and so like if the guys you're able to get some distance from your opponent and you're you know, want to run that risk of the animation where you're locked into it, but you can sit over there in the corner and just, ah, ah, and just power up for a little while and then unleash a huge super on, on your opponent. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's three V three, much like Marvel versus Capcom back in the day, tagging in, tagging out. Um, I, I want to play more. I want to put in some lab time and actually learn the combo systems a little bit. Um, but the story it's, I've heard it's long um, and I heard it gets even more ridiculous. But to me, in my experience with the franchise, 
it's perfect. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. And uh, it feels very fitting to, to what happens in that series where there's a lot of talking, then you go in and there's a big burst of fighting and then you talk for a long time about random stuff and odd relationships. And then you go fight some more. I'm really, really enjoying the game. I love it so much that I want to get good at it. And I know I'm too old to get good at it, if that makes any sense. I heard it's actually really accessible as a just as a pure fighting game. Um, it is, it's easy to get into. I mean, it's that old saying, right? Easy to play, hard to master, where you have auto combo if you want to use it. And so you get to see all the fun, flashy things. And the single player by default is not very difficult. So you can get in there and kind of mash your way through and actually do combos and see some of the big flurries um, and have a really good time with the game. And then if you watch high level play, of course, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't bring that to that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, dude, I'm loving it. I should say there have been pretty hellacious server problems, um, going on, at least when I was trying to play and I think yesterday as well. So hopefully those get ironed out, but if you're on the fence or you're a fan of the IP, I think it's definitely worth at least watching some streams. If not, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. I really like it. Wow, man. I, I just have zero connection to this IP whatsoever. I, I really have no – I've never watched a Dragon Ball Z episode. I have no – it always seemed like the kind of anime that I didn't like. You know, it always it, – it just – I have no bearing in regard to who is who and what's going on. But it does look like a really good fighting game. I, 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 yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Mikey. Can I ask a clarification question? Sure. Um, when you're in the corner holding down A and X and you're powering up, do they, do they also talk about that? Cause it would be amazing if he's like, my power is over 5,000, 5,000. Yes. Five. Th-. Like if it actually, <laughs> so in the, in the fight, you won't get that VO, but in between fights you do talk about that. They talk all about regaining and losing their power. I mean, it's dragon ball. It's really like, again, as a, little brother big fan me older brother being like oh what is this fan it feels very authentic to the series i feel like the the way cuphead got people into a, a very difficult boss rush game i think the animation and style of this game could get people into um a very detailed mechanic driven fighting game and i i mean i really think that every fighting game should use this engine or this style it's just can we get, gorgeous i mean i don't no offense to dragon ball z fans because i'm just not one of them but can we get a game that looks like this but looks like the i don't know dc animated movies Dude, or yes right? oh yes you know? all of them but that's all no offense to dragon ball Dra- this game exists too but yes i mean it's no offense to oh. uh injustice right we like we'd love that game that engine that game. too it's awesome but man like a real animated looks like a cartoon of of that style would be super cool yeah Batman Transformers games doing that there was a transformers uh game that looked like it was called like generations or something like that it was it was but it wasn't a fighting game it was a you know full-on 3d action game but yeah yeah that's true. I, I we're, we we finally have the technology to experiment in that space in a, yeah. in a really good way. So I'm I'm excited. How about a GI Joe fighting game? Give me that. That'd be it, cool. I'm sure if that gets popular as an IP again, it had some trouble with the movies. So yeah, I guess that's we'll true. see. I don't want the movie version though. I want old school. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll talk about Celeste a little bit, Jeff. I know you have a couple of big games people want to hear about, and then one we have in common. But Celeste is from Matt Makes Games, maker of Towerfall. 
And Celeste, the best way I could describe it, is a mashup of Ori and the Blind Forest and um, Super Meat Boy in that it is a precision platformer, but you have the way Super Meat Boy, you kind of just have your one move jump. You can wall jump or wall slide or whatever, but pretty much just jump. In Celeste, you have an, an air dash, you can climb, and then as you progress up the mountain, you unlock other abilities and stages have abilities baked into them. And it is a precision platformer, um, eight or 16-bit-esque animation style, much like Towerfall. But, oh my God, the way the game keeps you playing, it's that meat boy, like as soon as you die, you're back to where you started. And there's no punishment other than you going, Ugh! Um, but it just loops you right back in. And when you save the game and exit out, you start right back on the same screen you were on. So you're able just to keep chugging away. Don't play it in bed on your Switch before as, as a wind down game, as I tried to do the other night, because it does the opposite. Um, but then I ended up watching Looper and that's such a good movie. Um, it's just phenomenal. It is not for you, Jeff, 100%. <laughs> I sensed that. I sensed yeah. that. Remembering our Ori and the Blind Forest conversation, it is it is not for you. But if you like this, you know, pixel perfect um, precision platformer style game, um, I highly recommend Celeste. And it's built for speed running. It shows you your time after you clear a level. And it has a really great assist mode um, that doesn't, uh, talk down to you if you turn it on as you scroll through it to turn it on it's like hey we meant celeste to be hard you know we have these systems in place to so you, you're never punished for failing um, that said if you want to turn assist mode on great here's what how it helps we want you to enjoy the game so play how you want to play it have fun and then you get to make your decision which i think is a really cool way instead of like you know the duke nukem like i'm a baby uh or whatever approach but i love it i love it yeah, a lot of people talking very positively about Celeste, but I definitely one of those that I sensed. I'm like, you know what? That's not going to be for me. That's fine. Yeah, it's it's not, and I agree. It's that's fine. Yeah. I bought it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played it yet? Yeah, I'm looking over my computer. It's still downloading. Oh, uh, nice. No, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> well, we lost Mike for this. It's so. Well, I'd understand if you just kind of tap out. I get it. It's really, <laughs> it's really, really well done. It's uh, and it keeps. It keeps changing and, and um, evolving as you kind of climb the mountain where you learn mechanics and it layers something out. You're like, I get this. And then it's like, okay, how about this? And Oh, you, you brilliant jerk you. And then you keep climbing. Well, that's okay because I definitely don't need more things right now. Uh, I have several awesome things to play, one of which uh, I can't technically review yet. I think the embargo is up uh, Tuesday, so I can't technically give you a review of shadow of the colossus remake but this is a game that is what 15 years old 10 years old um so i mean it's not it's the same game but i can give you a preview. still an embargo <laughs> yeah i can give you a preview of my feelings about uh shadow of the colossus and uh that preview is that oh my goodness is this game beautiful i kind of can't believe how beautiful shadow of the Colossus remake is. Uh, I mean, the central game is the same game, but this is a from the bottom, complete remake, new engine, new graphics. In fact, uh, the stat sheet that they sent me uh, says that just the starting shrine area that you start the game in has more detail by double than the entire PlayStation two game has more polygons, more 
more stuff in it than put out a great video. It's like four or five minutes long. And it does a lot of comparisons of PS2, PS3, and then this version. And it's astonishing how amazing it it looks. It it is not just like a beautiful version of this game. If you hadn't, if you didn't know that shadow Colossus ever came out, you would think this is one of the best looking new games to be released. It is. and, And I know I went on at length last week on the show about, HDR, <laughs> but I'm going to go on at length again because uh, this Shadow of the Colossus supports HDR on PlayStation 4 Pro and it is jaw-dropping. It is absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous. I mean, I can't even tell you the way the light plays in the world, the way you know, it's an, a game of epicness, right? You're, you're, it's only boss fights. That was the big thing back when it first came out. Like, whoa, they're just only doing boss fights. And the size and scale is important. And this these epic confrontations with these colossi, meeting them on the plains and seeing how big and impressive they look. All of that is accentuated because the game is just beautifully lit, beautifully expressed, beautifully displayed now. Um, so I know I'm not reviewing it yet, but I will tell you if you even if you've never played Shadow of the Colossus, this is the version to play. And if you have played it and want to revisit it, 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 it you will be so it, – it's not like going, oh, wow, yeah, no, this is kind of how I remembered it. You know how a lot of those remasters, it'll be like, did they really do a thing on this? Because this is kind of how I remembered it because your, your mind yeah, messes with this is how Gears you. of War 1 looked, of course. Yeah, this is how like Halo looked. I remember it looking really good. And then it's like, oh, no, you have a button that switches back and forth. And you're like, oh, wow, they really did a lot of work. That will not happen with this one. <laughs> you will go – Oh my God, this game is gorgeous by any standard. Not, it's not how I remember it. It's compared to any other game that's out on shelves now. It is just gorgeous. It is what like are, a showpiece. What are your impressions of the controls? How do those controls feel in today's modern age of gaming? Because it, even when it came out, <laughs> had it's, quirky controls. What, what, what are you whispering, Mikey? Embargo. Embargo. Yeah. It's the yeah, I'm not reviewing it, but I will say <laughs> if, if you remember it being janky, uh it's it's the same game. <laughs> it's the same game you remember. Uh and that's kind of the, you know, kind of the charm, I guess. But no, there's not been work to that, I don't believe. What was your review of the original? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me talk about a game I can review because it is out. Um, and, and I'm sure you finished. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely review it because I finished. <laughs> uh, no, I have put about, I don't know, six hours into it. It came out on Friday. Uh, we're here on Sunday. So uh, I've played quite a lot in the, in the last couple of days of Monster Hunter World. I'm playing it on Xbox One because I wanted that HDR version. Um, Wait. I- X, I should say. Um, and uh, I I have not had any experience in the Monster Hunter games before this. So uh, I am a unique – I'm sure Monster Hunter fans that are listening to this will probably laugh at what I'm about to say. But bear with me because this is really my first Monster Hunter. I, I played a little Monster Hunter on DS one time because Dan Trachtenberg loved it and wanted me to play it. And I tried and I was like, eh, this looks really bad and I, eh, it's not my thing. So, but I felt like, okay, I'm going to, uh, th- this game looks really good and I'm, I'm excited and there's really nothing out right now like it. And I, I, I want to, I want to see if this monster hunter is the monster hunter. So I booted it up, popped in the character creation creator is really cool and robust. You make really awesome looking characters. The game looks really nice. 
I'm that like, the, oh. is, that the, is that the first six hours? <laughs> it might. For some people, it could be because you you not only make you, you make a, a little cat friend that hangs out with you, and both of them have tons of options. And you're like, oh, does my cat have big eyes or even bigger eyes, or does it have a calico little uh, pattern, or is it like a white adorable? And it's you can definitely go down a rabbit hole of, of cat designing. But um, so I'm just saying that I was like, oh, I'm all excited. I'm getting into it. I'm, I'm jumping in, and, and you go and you get some cool story moments and. Uh, then you have to pick a weapon and there's 14 different weapons in monster hunter world right at the beginning. You have the option to try any of them, start with any of them, um, and switch between them freely. Uh, and they kind of work like classes because your weapon defines your move set and your functionality in a fight. And I did a little bit of reading and I was looking like good, you know, good for beginners and what I thought would be cool. And I picked dual blades, which is sort of like a real fast paced, get in there, slice and dice, fast uh, combos. Um, And all of the weapons, I should say, are very combo based. It's, It's almost like a fighting game done as a third person action game. People sometimes compare it to Dark Souls. I don't think that's an apt comparison. They compare it to Dark Souls because... Some of the weapons are very slow and methodical and, you know, certain frames you'll start an animation and you're stuck in that animation just like Dark Souls. And that's true, but I think this game is much more combo-based and much more uh, sort of feels more like a fighting game to me than it is like a Souls game. But uh, I played um, a few hours with uh, Dual Blades, kind of stuck with it, and I was like, you know, this is fine. This is cool. I'm doing some fun stuff. But there was a couple times where I got one shotted by a big dinosaur that I didn't see coming, and I was like, ah, this is frustrating. I don't want to. Be, uh, uh. But <laughs> one like- shotted. Wait, no, no. One shotted by a big dinosaur you didn't see coming. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was ready to come on here and do a, this big rant about how you know I remember when I was growing up and we you know around the shadow the first shadow of the Colossus days when everybody talked about camera and oh how are we going to fix camera and now you just. No one cares about that anymore. You just put the camera in the game and you just have to deal with it. And if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. But no one really cares. I was going to do this whole rant about that, right? And then I was like, well, maybe I should try just a different weapon. And I tried uh, a variety of weapons. They have this really cool thing where you can go into your apartment area, like your house, and you can try out any of the weapons in this little arena. And I uh, latched onto the bow and it was like a whole new game. It was like a whole new game. And I know that a lot of Monster Hunter fans are going to be like, well, duh, Jeff, you can't just pick one weapon and go with it. There's a whole, every weapon is a completely different experience. It's like, yeah, I got that conceptually, but I kind of just thought the game was the game. But my biggest advice, if you're new to the Monster Hunter world, is try a lot of different weapons because it really is a completely different game. And I am in love with Monster Hunter world. I can't wait to play more of it. I think about it when I'm not playing it. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. And the central loop, the central fun, the central theme that they nail so correctly, I think. And again, this is going to be redundant for people that are like, yeah, that's what I loved about Monster Hunter this whole time, you idiot, uh, is the fact that you are a hunter, right? It really doubles down on that idea. Everything you do is about amassing knowledge about this world, this foreign world that you're in, this lost world of dinosaurs. You got to amass knowledge. You got to study your your prey. You got you learn more about them, which lets you plan better. You're picking 
berries and plants and, and stuff to create things. You're taking down dinosaurs to harvest their parts to make better stuff. And it is, con- you're, it is constantly giving you exploration mixed with combat, mixed with exploration. There's always tons of stuff to do and a variety of ways to approach it. You really feel like this big freedom to be this hunter. And I will say I haven't even done what I think is probably the coolest part of this game, which is multiplayer because the Xbox One version has had some problems and you can't get match made right now. I hopefully by the time you hear this, they'll have fixed it. But um, there's matchmaking is broken right now in the Xbox version, not on the PlayStation version, sadly. I mean, good for PlayStation owners, but sad for me. Um, anyway, they do a lot of really smart things like the fact that you have these um, these scout flies constantly, which basically is the mode in every third person action game where you are looking through your bat senses or your special horizon zero dawn senses or whatever. The thing that tells you, Oh, there's something important in the environment. They work that into the central narrative of the world and you don't have to enter a mode. These scout flies are constantly showing you, Hey, that's a cool thing. Hey, look at that. And you start tracking one monster. You start looking at its footprints and finding mucus on the wall that it left. The more you, you pick up stuff about that monster, the more your scout flies are like, Oh, you must be tracking that monster. So I'm going to show you where that monster is headed. It's really clever. The combat is super fun when you get the right weapon, the weapon that works best for you. And I am just hooked on this game. I'm sure you guys are going to hear me talk about it a lot over the coming weeks. Monster Hunter World, great, great fun. Wow. Yeah. Are you at all interested in playing it, Christian? Because I need some people on Xbox to play it. All my friends are on PlayStation. Um, No, I mean, interested, yes. Will I make the time for it? No. No, I'm sorry. I, I I picked up a cheap copy of Ghost Recon Wildlands uh, and I've dove back into that because GP and Wombat for Cheapest Gamer have been playing and Chipwreck. And then even after my chicken dinner, PUBG's, PUBG's pulled me back. So the, the cool thing about Monster Hunter World, and, and it's interesting because this and Shadow of the Colossus both are sort of like it's all boss fights, you know, is that the, the fight that you en- engage in with these monsters, these big dinosaurs – is this sprawling, multi-stage, always evolving thing that can involve the environment. So let's say you're hunting this big dinosaur, right? You track it, you find it, you start attacking it. Then you sort of have to watch and learn how it's going to attack you and figure out how to avoid its attacks and what weaknesses it has. Some of that can come from you learning about it beforehand, you know, by studying it and adding it to your, you know, encyclopedia of knowledge. And some of some of it just on the field of battle, you're noticing that it's animations like you would in any third person action game. But you're fighting it. And uh, at a certain point, maybe it decides it's not doing well and it'll turn tail and run and then you have to track it again to a new place and then you can fight it again in a new area and maybe other dinosaurs in the area will just kind of stroll in and fight amongst themselves and so now the the thing you're hunting might be engaged in a fight with an even larger dinosaur and that dinosaur is kind of helping you out but if you engage that dinosaur you may be in real danger so you're kind of figuring all that out or there's an environmental trap that may be sprung like the thing can be trapped in a spider web or a tar pit or something things evolve and change over time and then at a certain point it gets so injured that it just wants to go home and return to its nest and and 
and heal. So it'll turn tail and try to run to its nest and then you can find it in its nest and keep attacking it. And so it's these multi like half an hour battles with one dinosaur that evolve and change over time. It's sort of this, um, this, uh, progression of, of how long you can stay in it. And some of the, a lot of the quests are timed, uh, which I don't like, but it, it does add a pressure of like, this is really involved and I'm really, you know, investing a lot of time and energy and assets into, into taking this guy down. And then when you beat it, invariably you get really cool stuff and you get to go and make better weapons and do cool things. It's a great loop that feels very different from any other kind of game. And I am just loving it. I'm Mikey. Have you hunted monsters? Uh, I've watched my friends do it. I, I, I want to get into it. I, I was actually just looking at pictures of the cat familiars and I want to play as the cat f- familiar <laughs> got like little pilot hats on. Oh dude, I horrible. just got, I just crafted for my, for my cat, a bone rabbit head hat. So it looks like the skull of a rabbit and it's got two feathers as the rabbit ears. That's dope. It's dope dude from a little kitty cat. Oh, super dope. That's very dope. good. Okay. Yeah. I'm into this. I'm going to, I'm going to get grab it and I'm going to hunt some monsters. Here we go. Let's do it. I want our listeners, Jeff, to email you and I guess DLC feedback at Gmail is the way to do it. Cause I'm curious. I'm curious to hear updates from you, Jeff, about like why you think this is the version you're playing versus like the Wii U or other versions on other consoles that you've had uh, home and handheld otherwise. And then people that maybe have had more experience, maybe we can find a guest that's had a lot of uh, hunting experience, um, how successful this game is at pulling in new players. And is it those mechanics that is making it click more with you or is it just the graphics because it's finally big and shiny and HDR that's finally made it click with you versus, you know, PSP or 3DS. Like, why is it now? My understanding is this one's a little more accessible. Some of the uh, some of the weapons are a little less. Like, there's one, there's a, uh, what's it called? There's like a chain bow gun thing that's basically turns the game into a third-person shooter. Um, it's it's cool, but there's still combos, right? And the, the bow that I'm playing, the, the full-on just like, you know, archer's bow is really fun it, it it has combos that are really cool but uh, a lot of charge shots you know it's it's um it's kinetic and fun and but there's a lot of variety w- with regard to that stuff um but i do think that a lot of that's uh, at accessibility i do think it's prettier um but it really feel you know i'm an mmo guy right i like mmos and it really does feel like a well-made mmo with that same gameplay loop and constant next thing constant next uh you're never wanting for things cool things to do in the monster hunter world universe world. the monster hunter world world yeah world world right <laughs> cool anyway i'm digging it uh, this episode brought to you by monster hunter no it's not it's not, <laughs> it's but not. that was a good segment <laughs> uh chris you want to talk about iconoclasts i'm playing it on vita which makes me love it because i can play it on my vita it um also, if you look at screenshots or watch little videos, you might think, oh, this and Celeste, they're similar. <clears throat> they are not. They, they might look similar in terms of like a 16-bit throwback style game. But while Celeste is a precision platformer, um, Iconoclast is um, a Metroidvania in the sense that you have a gun and you have a little wrench where you're opening secrets and you're backtracking. I haven't done the level of backtracking that... Um, 
the the more recent metroidvanias have you do um i think i'm only 12 percent through the game because i got iconoclast and celeste i think on the same day and i was like i cannot pick one um i kept jumping between the two um i I, i'm really enjoying the game um celeste has pulled me away for longer than iconoclast where it's that one more level one more level whereas iconoclast is i'm you know progressing through a story and and kind of there are a few puzzles here and there but it doesn't seem as difficult i'm curious what your experience is with it and how you're enjoying it yeah it definitely doesn't seem as difficult although some of the boss fights are pretty intense and uh crazy but um i think i probably played less than you have because i've been all monster hunter worlding but uh yeah i really like it i think it's gorgeous i mean it has that 16-bit pixel graphic thing going on but way better than any game in the actual 16-bit era it's really well done uh and it has a lot of uh, personality and charm i i really like it a lot i'm anxious to play more of it i'm playing it on regular playstation 4 on, on a big screen and it i think it looks great i mean yeah it looks good on the vita and the story is interesting i'm not sure what to make of it yet but it's like hobbies are illegal and i'm not sure what its social commentary is but it seems like Maybe religion has gone sideways in this world, and um, I think in this world, in, <laughs> in the world of iconoclast only, and only sure, in the yeah, agree. And I also totally think like agree. friendships are outlawed, or I'm not sure if it's making. I'm, I'm not sure what its social stances are, but there've been a few lines where I'm like, wait, was that a dig or is that sincere? I'm not sure what's happening, so I'm curious to see how this the story evolves. But I think that's a big part of it is its story. So. I think that'll get me back to it after I just finish this one more stage in Celeste. Just one more stage. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on now. Um, you know, this episode is not brought to you by Monster Hunter World, but it is brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, I got to tell you what I had for dinner tonight. Uh, if you're watching on my uh, caffeine stream, I'm going to show you the uh, the thing I cooked for dinner tonight. I like the fact that we have moved to Sunday evening recordings, Christian, because uh, Sunday evening, I often cook dinner for my wife. And the reason I can is because of Blue Apron. It does all of the things for me that I would not have done on my own, i.e. pick what I want to eat, have an awesome recipe, and give me all the ingredients right there ready to go in just the quantities I need. Uh, this is what I had tonight. Um, orange and brown butter tilapia with garlic rice and collard greens. I'm not a guy that would make this (laughs) normally. Uh, I think the only time I knew about collard greens is because it rhymed with Hollis Queens from the old uh, Run DMC song, which I just butchered. We had sweet potato and mushroom bayo with hoisin mayo and cabbage slaw. I think that's bao, right? Bao? I don't know. Uh, anyway, this was amazing. This was a fish with a sauce that I made out of butter and pepitas. I wouldn't have known to buy pepitas. They're little, little seeds, which were delicious, uh, and orange juice and honey. And, um, my wife loved it. I loved it. It was delicious. We had it tonight. Garlic rice. Amazing. This is the kind of thing you can expect from Blue Apron. It has changed my life. It has made me into a cook, which is amazing to me. I love this about my life. I love the fact that my wife and I have home-cooked meals now, and I'm cooking them, taking care of her as she takes care of our son. What a wonderful thing. And if you are just a single person, maybe, and you want to have an awesome date, 
what better way that, to woo someone and wow them than to cook for them? There are, this is the way to go. And it's, it's great because it's actually affordable. Works out to about $10 per person per meal, which is amazing. It's uh, the, the, you don't need to tell your date that part though. Yeah. Don't tell that part. Like, oh yeah, no hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of dollars. Uh, uh, Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes every week and you pick two, three or four based on what fits in your schedule. Super flexible and easy. Uh, they send only non-GMO ingredients with no, uh, and meat with no added hormones. Uh, this is really healthy stuff, really delicious stuff. And you really, get life skills. I mean, I feel like I can cook now, which is an amazing thing. So let me tell you what we're going to help you out. If you want to try this, if you go to blueapron.com slash DLC, that's B-L-U-E-A-P-R-O-N.com slash DLC, we will give you $30 off your first order and you will be able to try it pretty much on us. That's pretty cool. 30 bucks off your first order and they'll know it's a good idea to sponsor the show. I've been begging them to sponsor the show, which, uh, you know, that's because I love it. I legitimately love Blue Apron. I tell everybody I meet, I'm like, do you guys do Blue Apron? Because I love it. Uh, blueapron.com slash DLC. Give it a shot. 30 bucks off your first order. See how it can change your life like it changed mine. Right now. Right now. Right now. So I said, uh, so I says, so I says to Mikey Newman, I says, uh, Mikey Newman, come on the show and uh, talk about video games. And Mikey Newman says to me, he says, uh, I will only do it on one condition. And that is that I get to talk about board games. <laughs> and I said, well, twist my arm, Mikey Newman, because uh, I love talking about board games. So here we are. I'm yes. so excited. Uh, what, why do you want to talk about board games so much, Mikey? I had the most amazing experience the other day. Uh, so there's this, there's this old game and I've had it for gosh, 10 years, probably. Um, you can find it anywhere and I will preface that it's not good out of the box. So it's, it's called chess four and chess four. It's not, okay. it's not like, Number or? well, it's, so it's four person chess. What's a chess for? For pooping. Ah. Well, so yeah. So it's, it, the original game was basically just four player chess where there's white, black, silver, and gold and playing it the old way is, is like impossible. It's, it's like monopoly times seven. You just can't finish it. Cause it, I mean, with everyone checking and all that, it's just, you're, you're going all day. So we, we had a game night the other night with a few of my friends, uh, made a bunch of chicken wings, lemon pepper, wet holler. And, uh, we, we, we changed the rules um, and it'd been something I'd been working on for years, but I never really got to play like the game. And we finally played the game and the, and the rule. So it's, it's, there's one chessboard in the center. It's kind of looks like a, the red cross symbol um, where there's uh, a full size chessboard in the middle. And then it goes three rows out in every direction, all four directions. And the rules are as such, uh, you may set up your pieces however you want uh in in those three rows that you have and there's no checking you may just assassinate the king and when you kill someone's king all of their pieces stay on the board but they're out of the game hmm. and the war that happens i mean cuz you you're paranoid because there are so many pieces in chess that can just kill your king 
um, because now there's not a warning. And what happens is it gets basically down to two people um, at the end, but the the center is just a a graveyard of people's pieces. So the pe- the pieces of the people that have been knocked out of the game stay on the board but can't move. Yeah, well, they stay on the board, and if you if you hit them, they go away. Like you can oh, still attack, but you kind of use them like cover. So chess becomes this all-out war slash cover shooter slash like I mean the way you set up at the beginning you could make a mistake that gets your king killed on the first turn if you're really not paying attention. But what I liked about it was that no matter how good you are at chess, because like chess is a game where you probably know one person that plays it a lot, and then everyone else just is like, "No, nah, I don't want to play with you," because. Once you know, well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a learned game down to, you know, when, when you're at that level, nobody wants to play you. Like, it's not casual. And this resets the entire play field back to zero. Um, so I call it chess four colon chess two. <laughs> new game. So wait, so I, let me understand this. It, chess four is a game that you can go out and buy. Yeah, actually, let me see if it's on Amazon. Because I'm quick. seeing, I'm seeing a Chess Four, a John N. Hansen Chess Four on Amazon Prime for fifteen bucks. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a pretty cheap. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, John N. Hansen Chess Four. That is, in fact, the thing. Buy it uh, now before this episode hits the RSS and the price goes. Yeah, up. the price is going to skyrocket. I, the, yeah, my my portion of the episode is sponsored by Jen. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, Board Game uh, but, Geek is listing four player chess like this uh, as being invented in 1881. Oh, interesting. Well, you but you can see even in that graphic, you can see what I mean about the three rows. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. When you, when you play it normally, it is just the slowest thing. Um, chess is no longer just a battle; now it's war. Well, that, but that, that's, but that's this, good marketing. That's good stuff. It is, and this I think makes it feel more like a war um, is to is to go in that direction because depending on how you set up your pieces, that's like one of the most important steps is is placing your your designed sort of army down, um, and if you do it right, you'll fool people into feeling secure, and you're actually just launching the rook down to the back row, and they're dead. Do you have your rules published anywhere where people can can get them and print them out as simple as they might be? I feel like this needs to exist somewhere. Uh, I should do that. You should um, do that. I'll do that. Chess four colon chess two. Chess four colon chess two. <laughs> no, I like obviously it. Obviously, John and Hanson's just just some new rules to make it a little more violent. Mikey Newman presents John I mean, Hansen's. <laughs> you'll, you'll finish the game in 30 minutes this way. I mean, it, cool, it, it's, it's brutal. It's all, fun. All Bananagrams is is someone who lost their Scrabble board. You know what I mean? So yeah. chess four colon chess two, 100% could be a, <laughs> could be a real game. Uh, that would that's my lifelong dream to make a sequel to chess. That's like the <laughs> ultimate game designer thing is right. like reinventing chess. And it this this has this has aspects to that. I'm chess four chess two is is my open source game. Let's let's continue to improve this. Because <laughs> um, really all you're using from from John and Hansen's chess four is the board and the pieces. Well, I want to tell you guys about my new game. Uh, it's called Chess Four Colon Chess Two Colon Chess One. 
Uh, it's a single player game. Uh, Jeff Kanata <laughs> presents Mikey Newman's <laughs> design from uh, downtown. If you always want to win, play <laughs> chess one. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, actually, no, I, I wonder if you've ever heard of a game called the Duke. No. Uh, there's a lot of games that are sort of take the chess thing and and do something interesting with it, but uh, I bet you would dig the Duke. It's um, it's kind of like chess, but every piece is a tile, and on that tile is printed the movement rules for that piece. And there's a whole bunch of pieces. So, for example, if you're imagining it like chess, if you saw uh, the pawn, the tile would show you uh, that the pawn can move forward one or it can move diagonal to kill a piece one right that's the movement of a pawn in chess uh or you know a knight it'll it would show like an l shape where you'd have to move to that excuse me to that spot um but uh, the duke has a, a whole variety of different moves from a whole variety of different pieces but the twist is every time you move a piece you flip that tile over and that piece has different movement on each side. So every time you move it, it changes how it moves next, uh, which it's crazy. It's cool. It kind of breaks your brain a little bit, but uh, in a really, really fun way. So uh, I recommend if anybody out there is interested in games like this, abstract strategy games, um, the Duke is one of the ones that I've played, uh, one of the few I've played, I, I, this is not usually what I go for is these sort of abstract strategy games, but I have played the Duke and it is really cool. Uh, is really interesting twist sized only for people with really big hands or is that not? Yes. Just like the Duke controller. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, let us, uh, carve out, um, some time. Cause I know Christian, you wanted to talk a little VR, right? Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. What did you want to hit in VR, Christian? Uh, so I want to talk about Out of Ammo, which um, is came to PSVR via Zen Studios. If you listen to this show, you know I love Zen Pinball. Um, big, 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 big fan. Mel uh, from Zen Studios has been on our show. I believe it was on our show when they announced this kind of publishing deal where they're bringing games over um, to PlayStation. And um, I think Out of Ammo was on early access on Vive for about a year or something like that. Jeff, is that about right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, now uh, Zen is is taking games like that and bringing them out on PlayStation VR. So it's uh, it's coming out PlayStation VR now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and we have a couple of codes. You know, so disclosure: I got a free code. We have some codes to give away to you guys. I want to get this out up top before I talk about the game. But um, we were thinking email. Is the best way to give them out? Yeah, we were trying to figure out the best way to uh, give those out um, because, you know, we want to give them to people that actually have PlayStation VR. But uh, if you do, please email, email us at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com and let us know uh, that you'd love to play out of ammo on PlayStation VR. Uh, love for your email to not just be begging for a code, but also maybe uh, ask a question or have a comment. Love to see something like that, but it'll be first come first serve. So send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Yeah, cool. So it is a, um, 
there are a couple of different modes, but I feel like the bulk of the game or a large mode of the game and how it was advertised kind of coming out in early access on Vive, at least as I remember it, is that it's a strategy game where you are kind of, you know, in God mode. Like we talked about Dino Frontier on this show a lot, where you're, you have a top-down perspective, you're looking at the, the map and you can create... Um, structures to fortresses to protect your little guys um med stations is that an rts i'm bad with terms i don't think that's an rts but kind of right yeah, that's if you're doing it in real time it is yeah um and you're, you're you're holding off waves and waves and waves of people um of course all this is in vr so it's it's that cool perspective again like down a frontier or any of the other games where you're manipulating in real time using the playstation move controllers to drag and drop and place your units in different places and then and you can go down and assume the perspective of people that you have created and you're commanding also which again isn't necessarily unique to this game but doing it in vr is fun because once you zoom down there it becomes a shooting range or you know you're you, you're a sniper or you're at a gatling gun or whatever you're doing and it just the way it kind of zooms in and changes that perspective is really neat and it's one of those things where you're like yeah, I've done it before, but have you done it in VR, uh, which adds that extra layer. And then my favorite part of the game, which I feel like is the smaller part of it, but there are missions that are different than that, where it's kind of a set thing. Like one, you're a sniper in a bell tower, and you're just trying to protect your guys as waves of energy enemies come in and helicopters try to come in to pick up your guys and you're just up there sniping away. Another one is you're stealing data um, off a thumb drive and it all goes awry. And it's, it's almost, it feels like a little mission out of, um, oh, come on, red and white aesthetic VR game. Well, those are non-VR, now VR. Uh, super hot? Yeah, super hot. It, the, the mechanics aren't the same, but it, the, the graphical style of out of ammo is kind of a simplistic blocky style. That, and so you're in this building trying to escape as enemies come rushing in and you're teleporting around the world. And I really like those style of missions. I think they're fun and it kind of breaks up the core gameplay. All of that being said, while I think the game is awesome, God, I hate the PlayStation Move controllers. Every time... And I know that there's been a patent leak for new ones for maybe a new headset. And uh, I, I feel like, I don't know what it is, 20%, 30% of the time. I feel like I'm fighting the move controllers. And that's not specific to this game per se. It's happening in this game. And you've seen my VR setup. It's not, you know, an ideal E3 style, you know, big empty white box um, setup. So maybe it's, I don't quite have enough, the right spacing, but Ah, oh, it's it's frustrating. Every time I get excited about a VR game with move controllers, I get maybe 40 minutes, an hour in, and I'm just like, I hate these things. And well, just because they've been that's true here too. retrofitted to do a job they were never intended to do, and it's uh, unfortunate. You know, they, they just, you know, weren't, weren't intended to be VR controllers. They were made to do waggle and play tennis. You know, it's not uh, – I'm curious if you – did you try? I know you have a little better setup. I'm curious if you've tried it uh, with yours. If you played it on Vive, or you can speak to that at all. I played it on Vive, and I really like it. Uh, um, but I have not played it on PlayStation VR yet, um, just because I <laughs> I moved the PlayStation away right. from uh, <laughs> the headset, uh, so I haven't reconnected it. But um, I'm anxious to give it a shot. Uh, I think it's a really cool thing. I love one of the things that's coolest about VR is this ability to mess with perspective and size and scale. Mm-hmm. And when you can go from God mode to down boots on the ground and back again, I love that. And a few different games have done it well. Uh, and out of ammo is one of them. And I, um, 
I just think that's such a neat thing to be able to like, oh, now you're in a first person shooter in the science and scale that you would expect from that. Oh, wait, now you're floating above it all, manipulating it from the from a God mode. Um, it works really, really well in in VR. And uh, it's a neat feeling to be able to like manipulate your dudes, the tiny dudes like ants and then jump down and be one of them in scale. That's cool. Yeah, I'm cur- when you get when you get a chance, I'd, I'm curious to hear your opinions on the move controllers for this game specifically, because I know your setup is, is a little better than mine, because it's one of those things where I want to recommend the game, but with the move controllers, I don't know if I can, but I don't know if it's just, like, I can't, it's like troubleshooting a PC, where you're like, I have Windows 8, uh, no, I have a 1086, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like all well, these no, different factors. But That's it- how I felt about Dino Frontier, I mean, I love that game, and I, and I won't hesitate to recommend it to people, because it's just so beautiful and charming but i want that pc release real bad i hope it happens (laughs) because i want to play it with actually good touch controls yeah yeah um all right well let's uh let's wrap the show up now i do want to uh do one thing i forgot to do earlier it's one question i wanted to ask you guys because we were talking about shot of the colossus being not just a remaster but a true remake and i would love to know mikey is there a game you would want to see done like this because Chrono Trigger, was I supposed to hesitate? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, like, uh, I can't, yeah, Chrono Chrono Trigger. Trigger. Yeah, I guess that's a great answer. Dang it, I thought I was going to stump the band more because I was thinking, (laughs) I was thinking that, yeah, I was thinking a lot about this and it occurs to me that there aren't very many games that fit the bill because Shadow of the Classes really is an artistic game that was way ahead of its time and I don't think just like making Halo look better or making, you know, X game look better is really the same thing. I mean, even Chrono Trigger, I might say they would need to update how you play it, not just how it looks, you know? Uh, But you were saying Shadow of the Colossus wasn't updated. Are you saying that from a perspective that Shadow of the Colossus is an artistic enough thing that we deserve it another shot in the modern era or? I'm saying that from a gameplay perspective, it doesn't, feel tremendously out of date and you can just update the look and Those i feel like impressions just impressions my impressions my impressions not a review uh, but i feel with chrono trigger you couldn't just redo the the graphical engine you would really have to go deeper than that right because i i i have a very strong opinion about this specifically because of the the Final Fantasy VII, yeah, right. We've heard a few things every now and again, but there was this, this, and I and I might be misremembering, but it seemed to insinuate that it was moving toward a sort of more real time, uh, later Final Fantasy, like Final yes. Fantasy fifteen kind of feel yes. instead of the menu based, um, which made me give up on it immediately <laughs> and i'm not being mean i'm just like i miss that yeah i miss the menu thing and and chrono trigger does is is like way ahead of its time in certain aspects um like like when you go on trial for all the things you did at the carnival right that is so wildly genius to me um i would like to see them push the storytelling further and how you're interact, like take that kind of stuff and expand it into the rest of the game more so than take away my dang menus, man. Right. Right. I want them. I want my menus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you, man. I want that turn-based stuff. Uh, I loved it. I still love it. Um, 
It's interesting. I, I, I think if they end up doing a Chrono Trigger someday, I think they probably will mess with it more than you would want. And most people would want that. Remember the game. Um, but it's interesting. Like they didn't mess with shadow of the Colossus. They just like made it beautiful. <laughs> but how is that not gears of war or halo? I don't understand that difference the, that you made. I how you, think how you distinguished. I'm sorry, that difference, how that, that difference you made, how you distinguished between those like that. What I'm trying to – the subtle point that I'm trying to make is that Shadow of the Colossus is still unique. It's still, it's still ahead of its time right now. Yeah, it's still doing something no one else really did. It's not – Halo – if you want to update Halo, look at Halo 5, you know? But shouldn't they have just made Shadow of the Colossus 2 then by that argument? They could have, but it's not like there is a Shadow of the Colossus out there now that you can compare it. There isn't a, you know what I mean? There isn't a shadow. I mean, I guess maybe last guardian is the closest thing to that, but I will tell you shadow of the Colossus remake is way more beautiful than last guardian on PlayStation four. Um, because last guardian was a D make. I, I don't know. if right, you're right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm articulating my point correctly, but I, I think it is that shadow of the Colossus as an artistic work is worthy of this treatment. And I think there are very few games that are, I agree with that point a hundred percent. Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of games that, yeah, it'd be fun to go play that game and make it look pretty, but like this feels like a game that deserves to be reintroduced, not just as from a nostalgia point of view, but it actually is an important work that shouldn't be held back by just its visual fidelity. You know what I mean? Can I give a really weird example of that? Please. Um, If you remember when, so Half-Life 2 had come out and then there were rumblings about Counter-Strike Source and they released a beta uh, for Counter-Strike Source. And the most amazing thing happened on DE Dust, a a map we've all played a million times. Um, We were playing up at Gearbox and uh, the the bomb went off in that in that further bomb point where there's like that really long ramp. Basically, you can see halfway across the map, and the explosion went off, and we were not killed by it. That's how far away we were. But the physics uh, launched some meshes around, and this bucket flew <laughs> and bounced all the way down the road, <laughs> and it killed my friend Brian Martell. Hit him right in the face, and <laughs> dead. And I was like, oh. Counter-Strike is new. (laughs) And next patch immediately removed. (laughs) Because it causes edge cases and all kinds of bad stuff. But I was like, oh, (laughs) Counter-Strike is the new thing. (laughs) And I've been chasing that dragon where you you just kind of tweak one thing and the whole game is different. Um, And I was sad that they pulled that out. That's crazy. That's really interesting. I think there are others exam- other examples of this, Jeff. I think Shadow of the Colossus is interesting, an interesting one because you, I, I'm assuming, skipped it on PS3, which I heard wasn't the best HD remake of them. Like the control, the timing was like a little different and it wasn't quite as jaw dropping of a change between. It was just an up res. Right. Also, it wasn't like this is taking a, a, what is legitimately a classic and completely redoing it from the ground up. So I would say uh, remake on GameCube. 
the Resident Evil remake on GameCube. And they've the problem is Capcom's iterated on that so many times. Yeah. But when that came out, the graphical overhaul, the way they added the red uh fire zombies or whatever they were, like the fast walkers and the subtle tweaks they made to that game were just absolutely mind blowing. And another example would be um Metal Gear as it's kind of weird because it's been iterated on and updated, but at the same time as they re-release old versions, uh they've added in like the first person aiming mode and free camera movement that wasn't there originally. Yeah, and yeah. I think you'll always have purists arguing that's not how you're supposed to experience the game versus it's made it more approachable by learning from the past, you know, learning from future advancements. But really if I were just trying to distill what you're saying, I think it's just that Shadow of the Colossus is an incredible game. Uh, and now people are more likely to play it because they don't look at it and just think, oh, retro, I don't care. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, it is really – this is the way – this is the best version of it. I mean, you can't argue that the original is better than this. It's not true. It This is better. It is – this is – Object, uh, objectively better, in my opinion. We finally um, got the scene where Han walks on Jabba's tail. It's <laughs> but my my question: Do is, not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to belabor this point, but I mean, I think Mikey, you know, came up with Chrono Trigger. And do you have a game that you think is worthy of this kind of treatment? Because even some of my favorite games of all time, I don't think necessitate this. Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Really? Oh, yeah. that's an choice. You would want got, it to play exactly the same as it did. Yeah. Well, it, the, as I remember the limitation, it. The limitation of the audience, because that was GameCube, right? Yeah. So chances are you have a much larger audience that wants to get into that. So I think you're you're servicing way more people. So I, I can see that. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they added a VR mode, would I be upset? No. I mean, I think you would do a completely different game if you made that today. I, 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 I don't know. That that's is... the thing that I'm trying to express that I'm doing such a poor job of is like – That costs more money though. You don't like make – a lot more. You don't – you sit down to make Shadow of the Colossus. You make the exact same game. Like that – You we haven't learned anything that makes Shadow of the Colossus outdated. Do you know what I mean? Like you have learned – we have learned how to do – Ace. I don't know. I don't know. Imagine if Shadow of the Colossus and I'm game designing 101 right now uh, as someone who's never designed a game. But like I'm picturing a version of Shadow of the Colossus that maybe has grunts uh, and also a version of the Nemesis system and also pulls <laughs> in things from Monster Hunter World where you're tracking one Colossus and it interacts with another and then the AI script takes over and you're battling grunts through the forest, but not too much that it gets in the way. But you're living in this live you're, you're wandering in this living, breathing world. Are you being serious? A hundred percent. That's just not that's not the same game. That's not the aesthetic of that world. I mean, you bring a dead girl to this ancient empty place and then you go fight these, these monolithic creatures in the middle of nowhere with nothing around. Like it's a dead empty world. Like that's the idea of that game. I'm talking about the mechanics and the style and what it's uh, the sense that it's conveying. I think you can do that with on, but I I don't, I don't want to argue this with you because I love shadow of the Colossus and having not played it, uh it's a 10 out of 10 game <laughs> having not played this playstation 4 version i can say the game is a 10 out of 10 you can't game. review it it's we're under embargo i haven't played it i have not touched it because you didn't share your copy um it's an incredible game i don't want to argue that something here or there or the other but i will take mikey to the mat that the definitive editions of star wars are better in every <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh God! Wait, what? No, don't, don't. We're not. We, we're wrapping up the show. Welcome to hour How twenty-five that, of DLC. <laughs> If you're picking a person to argue Star Wars pedigree on the internet, I am not that person, my man. <laughs> I have a, quite a few people behind me on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap up the show now. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Mikey Newman, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome having you. This was a blast. I'd love to do it again sometime. Will That will happen. Absolutely. But in the meantime – Tell people where they can follow you and all of your awesome content that you are constantly creating. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeyFace, M-I-K-E-Y-F-A-C-E, Mikey Fache. <laughs> um, you can hit me up on YouTube. Check out movies at MikeyYouTube.com slash FilmJoy for all of your FilmJoy needs or movies at Mikey.com. Uh, other than that, just uh, mail me stuff in the mail, you know, <laughs> weird, weird stuff. Just Christian's toenails, whatever. <laughs> just, just weird, weird stuff. It would be super weird if someone else mailed you Christian's toenails and not. I, that's what I want. <laughs> let's make this a challenge, guys. Let's uh, let's. There's jokes, and then there's internet jokes. <laughs> you challenged me to a Star Wars fight. <laughs> I want someone to find your toenails. <laughs> let's go. It's much nicer than I thought. He he wants you to find his toenails. Uh, I, I I really wasn't thinking that nice. I just thought removing them from you, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, or, yeah. Find find them. I'm quoting with my fingers. Where do you find think people? Them. Where do you think people find them? They're not in a box next to a woman's head. With a hammer <laughs> and you walking down the street. No, uh, with that, that I'll be at the really improv dark. on Thursday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's great. This is a blast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, Christian, what do you what do you got going on? You're going to be at the improv on Thursday? My toenails. Without toenails, you can find me. Uh, the, um, we did a live Department of Parenting live live on Facebook today, and you can find the stream of that at facebook.com slash Department of Parenting. Episodes come out usually on Wednesdays. You can find all the information for that at departmentofparenting.com. And then if you want to watch my Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, that 90-minute that story mode and, and more that I'll be streaming, that is on my Twitch, which is just Christian Spicer. And then it'll be archived later on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. Uh, and then, oh, February 1st, it's coming up. I'm going to be diving back into the deep darkness that is social media. So if you want to follow me, I'll be on Twitter at Spicer and Instagram, Christian underscore Spicer. I do have a cool project that I'll be sharing in early February. Um, so you can find that there when I stop being happy and enjoying my life and go back to Twitter. <laughs> it's going to be quite a day. You're just going to be in your pajamas. Just uh, so- Well, I can tell you where you can find my toenails on February 2nd. <laughs> okay. be in the plastic bag next to the... <laughs> Um, I have several other shows for you to check out, including a daily video game show where I keep you up to date on all the news that's going on uh, 10 minutes a day. It's called Newest, Latest, Best. You can find it on anchor.fm slash NLB or anywhere you get fine podcasts. And uh, I also do the Slash Filmcast. We just had a uh, an episode where we interviewed Ryan Johnson, the director of The Last Jedi uh, really one of the best shows I've I've ever been a part of. It was really, really great. Except for this one, of course, with you fine fellows. I'm in no way jealous of you interviewing Ryan Johnson. It was uh it Holy was pretty great. Moly. He's a just a just a great guy. Really nice, nice dude. I said this to you in person and I'll say it again into the internet. Uh, I always it's like you hear someone like him talk and you're just like, Oh, I'm never gonna do anything. He's smarter, funnier, and just better. He's 
oh god the longer he talks the more inadequate i feel he's it's so good it's well, so we, good then we did our job uh, <laughs> uh, also uh we have concerns is a comedy science show i do uh you can find that at we have concerns.com we actually at we have concerns just got our first bit of real physical mail uh it was not any toenails of any kind but we got uh we got some syrup some maple syrup somebody sent us maple syrups which made out of my toenails it was toenail maple syrup Jesus. but it was very good I'm oh, sorry I mentioned the toenail thing. <laughs> I regret it thusly. Not, no, not until you, I start sending you my toenails. You do not regret it. Uh, all right. Let's wrap the show up with our parting gift. Mikey, do you have uh, a suggestion to help people get through their week? Watch my show with every waking minute you have. That's not a bad, not a bad suggestion. I've actually, uh, I think I've had <laughs> movies with Mikey as my parting gift before on the show. So uh, I'm, I'm, I concur. Uh, it is good watching and positive. It'll make you feel good about the world. Uh, Christian, how about you got a parting gift? Uh, the new Bourne's album, Blue Madonna, it came out, it's this year, it's 2018, and it's uh, fantastic. It's really, really good. It, I mean, if you like Bourne's, I think you'll like this, but if some of their earlier stuff felt a little too um, festival to you, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else, but it makes me laugh. Um, try them again. Come back, give Blue Madonna a listen. I really enjoy the album. Yeah, you're telling me I have to do it uh, because that's your Bourne's ultimatum? Oof. All right. Uh, we got a, a listener-suggested uh, parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com where you can send your parting gifts if you have a suggestion to help people get through their week. This comes from JB. He says, the killers are back. Uh, as this week's parting gift, I'd like to suggest the new Killers album, Wonderful, Wonderful. The first two singles, The Man and Run for Cover, both feel like they were pulled straight from an 80s movie soundtrack. And the rest of the album is just as great. Give it a listen. Thanks, JB. Uh, I dig the Killers. I, I did not know they had a new album. Uh, very cool. We'll check that out. Um, my parting gift is uh, I just got uh, a new Roku and I wanted to recommend it. I got the Roku ultra i think it's called it's like the high-end uh, 4k one i had previously a uh, christian knows this i previously had a uh, uh apple tv that i got for free with my direct tv now subscription and i've been using it and hating the remote my god i hate the remote on apple tv let's and, bury those and move controllers next to oh each other. my god the apple tv remote is a piece of garbage maybe the worst designed remote i've ever experienced it is awful uh and i was thinking well i get, i can get a new apple tv 4k and then and then i thought wait a minute i don't have to get an apple tv i can get a roku and uh i did and i like it it's good uh, it's cool the 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 remote has a uh, headset jacks so if you want to listen to it you know watch tv and just listen to it by yourself it's that's a pretty cool feature and it actually has buttons on the remote and it doesn't you, your butt doesn't dial it like on the Apple TV remote. Can you tell which way it's supposed to face though? Yeah. I hate remotes like that. Yeah. 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 You can oh. tell which way it's supposed to face. It's pretty amazing. Garbage. Garbage. Anyway, I'm digging it. Uh, so there you go. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Mikey Newman and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room for hanging out in real time and contributing to the show. We appreciate you guys. And thanks to our uh, musical contributors, 
which is Sean Madigan, Patrick L., and Zero Star. They made the bumpers that you heard. Thanks to all of you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.